0: Thanks. you're listening to the one of us.net podcast network one of us.net and all of the shows on it are hundred percent subscriber supported please consider becoming a subscriber to one of us.net keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well
1: No Netflix. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna skip the intro to this ever. I will never press the skip <laughs> intro button.
0: Yeah. yeah, but but be very careful that you uh, don't skip through the uh, the final little uh, post credit stinger there.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. Like, God damn it!
0: I almost missed it because Netflix hijacks your screen and moves it into the corner, and I was like, oh, it's over, and I was like, oh wait, no, it's not.
1: Yeah, which, we'll we'll save some spoiler stuff talk for the end of this review, but yes, there is a thing at the very end that the Netflix doesn't do a good job hinting at, just like, yeah. oh, wait, wait, there's another scene? Okay, hold on. <laughs> like,
0: We've never done this before, we're not Marvel, how are we supposed to do these things? Yeah, that, consider that the uh, the public service announcement portion of uh, this recording, kids.
1: Yeah, but also, oh man, the music, that's one thing where the music is just so simple, so like, you know, synthy and techno-y kind of thing, and yet... It's just so good throughout this entire show. All the soundtrack stuff, all the original score. It's great. I'm I'm always amazed at the, the, you know, the volume of stuff they have here. Uh, But yes, anyways, this is Stranger Things Season 3. It's been out for a few days now because it came out on July 4th, which, oh my gosh, my wife and I, we could not stop binging this when this came out. Like, we literally watched every single episode in like a six or so hour binge.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. I had That's to, impressive for eight episodes. I know. I had you to watch eight hours of television in six
1: hours. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just guessing like six or so hours without like commercial breaks right. and that kind of stuff. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. To oh, me, Stranger but, Things is just an eight hour movie that has a bunch of intermissions in it.
1: Yeah, which, this one, more than even the previous seasons, really feels like it's just a straight-up movie. Like, there's literally mm-hmm. never a point it deviates or slows down or goes to any tangents like freaking Episode 7 of Season 2.
0: Right. I mean, to me, that has always been the strength of Stranger Things, is that it's structured like a cinematic experience with a definite beginning, middle, and a very definitive ending. Uh, and so, yeah, it doesn't feel like TV, where you have this sense of, uh, oh, to be continued, or here's a cliffhanger. It's just one episode rams into another, and by the time you get to the end, you feel satisfied. You feel like, okay, I've had a experience, and if they ended here, I'd be okay. I think the yeah. word is spent. <laughs> <laughs> it's spent. It, it is pretty, uh, it's, it could be exhausting at some level if you try to binge this too hard.
1: Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I got a lot to say about the, how long it is. But, you know what, uh, Laura, why don't you start us off? Like, what's the basic premise here that, for the setup of Season 3?
2: Uh, so the pr- premise here is that at the end of Season 2, um, I'm assuming that you've watched Season 2 if you've gotten this far, so if, if you
1: haven't. <laughs> Heaven then, help you if you haven't. <laughs> if you
2: haven't, this is not going to be good for you. Anyhow, so they've gotten rid of the mind flayer. They're done with that. Everyone's fine. Eleven's good. Living with Hopper. Life is great. And then they discover that actually things are weird. Something's wrong. They're not sure what it is, and they discover that it's somehow related to the mind flare. And then it moves on from there. I don't know. I'm trying not to be specific because you know part of the well, I mean, the you got to figure out what's happening.
1: Yeah, so the, basically also that, like, what, Mike and Eleven are dating right now, which obviously, like, they're dating so much that Hopper's referring to, like, an 80s sitcom dad with the oh way my he's God. behaving around them. Oh, my yeah. God. So good. Yeah, <laughs> so good. darn so kind of, Yeah. His I mean, heart to heart. I expected,
0: oh. I, I expected cartoon steam to come out of David Harbour's ears <laughs> at <agree>. some point. <laughs> like something out of a Looney Tunes. Uh, yeah, there, this is, uh, and I think Lara already kind of set this up, but this is about approximately six months From the conclusion of season two. Times, uh, you know, things have gone by and everything seems great, everything seems under control. Uh, And then, of course, because this is Stranger Things, you can only have so much fun before everything goes to hell.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, to be fair, the first two episodes of this season where they established like, okay, Steve's working at this job, um, the buyers are doing this, this kind of stuff, it's very... Like, it feels like the show has just so much energy. It's just bouncing off the walls yeah. with all the music choices, all the fun, all the, the character visuals. interactions. Oh, so good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a gorgeous looking show. And, you know, I think one of the things I really liked right off the bat is just how, like, again, how tight this season is. Like, even with the first two episodes being very set up like, mm-hmm. it never felt like there was a wasted minute in this in the season. Like, I always felt like whatever oh, they were doing was directed to a point.
0: Yeah, this is a great this is a great hangout type of environment or, or type of show because even when really heavy plot points aren't being addressed, you're still just hanging out with these characters that you already know and love, and you have a lot of time to spend with them. And, and one thing that really hits me about all of Stranger Things, but this season in particular, is how ridiculously generous, the Duffer brothers can be almost to the point of self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting yeah. a lot of cool stuff, but it's like, wow, I'm really enjoying this, but do we really need this? I mean, I will they say pay... that this one
1: has a little, it, it was a little less gratuitous than the last season, but there was still, like there was more notable instances in this one, I yeah. would say. But I'm sorry, what did you gonna say, Laura?
2: Yeah, they pay homage to so many different movies that they, <laughs> Oh my gosh, that know... bit when
1: they do the Fast Times at Richmond High sequence with, yeah. um, oh <laughs> yeah, d- 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 it was So funny! I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" It's that exact same song.
0: <laughs> so much Phoebe Kate's references in this. There
2: were, yeah, there were so many movies that I mean, just like classic horror movies that they took from, like The Blob. I mean, what else do we have? Oh, we the, had, oh, god, the
0: '80s Blob. The '80s Blob. Yeah, well, had
2: that... yeah, just so many movies that they referenced visually. It was, it was, it was just awesome. I liked it. I mean, I do think yeah. it was gratuitous at some level, but the other part of me was like, "Oh my god, I love this! I know exactly what movie you're talking." about right there i love it well,
1: and what <laughs> helps is that the the visual references and all the callbacks and that stuff at least are integrated into plot or character details like when right. they do that fast times in richmond high thing it actually serves into a story arc a very minor one that's almost immediately dealt with <laughs> at that point yeah. but it actually serves a purpose to something else in the story right and i think that's one of the greatest strengths of stranger things is that it really invests you a lot into these characters to kind of gloss over how 80s nostalgic and 80s wink job it can be at times you
0: know (laughs) it's always been the fine line this show has had to balance themselves upon because look i grew up in the 1980s and if you want to be totally honest i'm not that nostalgic for it (laughs) if this were nothing but i mean i don't want to go back to a time when i had to get carded for alcohol uh (laughs) if if i had to go back at any time and period uh, period in time it wouldn't be the 1980s necessarily But I do appreciate a lot of these references. Believe me, if this show were nothing but a if this show was nothing but like pop culture references and member berries, I would have checked out a long time ago. It's always managed to be more than the sum of its influences. Well,
1: it's all about the characters. Yeah, Yeah. and it helps that it's got such a great cast behind it too. Like, I mean, first of all, I got to say that David Harbour is still like one of the dominating forces in this show. I. I will say that for some reason they amped him up to, like, 14 in terms of his line <laughs> delivery. Because yeah. there's certain points where he's... It's almost like he's trying to do his audition for Hellboy while he's doing this <laughs> season. Just like, <laughs> well, you see, the way I think about this...
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was pretty hardcore, but... It... Well, you know, it's they're stuck in a different 80s genre. That's always been the weird thing about Stranger Things. Because, yes, it is a riff on all of these late 70s and early 80s films. And with each season, as a new year comes by, that means they can start folding in more influences. And Hopper and Joyce are definitely, in some weird version, a cross between, like, Romancing the Stone and Midnight Run. Yeah. And they just <laughs> go with it. And I'm like, wow, this is really broad compared to how you've played this character before. And I don't know if it's a mistake or if it's just the Duffer brothers going, look, that's the genre we're riffing on, so we have to go there.
1: Well, I feel like they're trying to give Hopper more to the than just being the broody cop, because that's what he really was for first yeah. season or so. And here it's like, okay, Hopper's lightened up a little bit, but at the same time, he's even more of a dick in some ways. <laughs> or oh, he's God, like... yeah. <laughs> like the way he treats the Russian character later, which, by the way, we have now found the official threat that's even scarier than the mind flayer, communists, in this mm-hmm. season. <laughs> I
0: thought puberty was the big enemy of season three. <laughs> it that's the only
1: is. thing Hopper can't punch
0: in the face. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yep, yeah, because uh, the kids, I mean, seriously, there are so many strained relationships in this season. I mean, you got Mike and Eleven going on, Max and Lucas, you got um, the weird chemistry between, uh, what's his name, uh, Steve and Robin yep, and Steve. Hopper and jo- Joyce. There's just, there are so many romantic subplots throughout this season, like, which, yeah, hormones and puberty and just basic human chemistry is the major <laughs> plot point of this.
0: Yeah, but thank God we have Murray to show up and be the love guru for everybody oh. in this series.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Even if he's just repeated Murray's a beat. Murray's like a breath of fresh air. Oh, oh, yeah.
1: blows I away. didn't think we would see that character again which uh, for people who don't know it's the second season is that weird conspiracy nut dude Murray which yeah, Brett I Delman, love that guy yeah. I love that dude oh he's fantastic he, he's so
0: on the nose but he comes back and he does kind of a riff on what he did previously and again that, we're delving into spoilers potentially but well, yeah I, if, I if, if was... you liked him in season two you're gonna get a lot more of his shtick in season three
1: yeah which it's funny I almost wanted him to go like hey uh, if you're gonna have sex in this place uh, use that same room those teenagers did Yeah, like, which teenager? yeah. I know. Uh, I was waiting the for the cameras, you. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but you know, I I still think the cast is very strong. I I like most of the kids this season. Still, I I will say that I feel like they don't know what to do with Mike anymore because he's kind of even from compared to the other characters, he still feels a little dickish in the way they're performing him. Like I, I don't know. He, do you guys agree with that? Uh, the main kid? Uh, well, that happened also in season two to a degree.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you go back to season one, you could see that Mike is always been a little bit of a jerk he's kind of the this is the thing with the wheeler family if you look at nancy and mike they're from the really well-to-do family they've always kind of had everything handed to them and they're a little bit assertive to the point of being obnoxious and so these are kids who are not they're not used to being denied what they want And they get to be pretty uh, obnoxious at times, Uh, Mike in particular, and I think that's one of the strengths of this season, because it explores an idea that's been established since season one, which is, yes, Mike cares for Eleven, and so does Hopper, but at some point that relationship becomes problematic. It kind of becomes, you never doubt their good intentions. But at some point, you know, Eleven has to like step aside and like be her own person without having these two men in her life dictating what she needs to do
2: or protecting yeah. her from what she needs to do.
0: Right. Which is funny, and, too, so and I, I appreciated like, that.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that too. I agree. Uh, and I do feel like Eleven also got a little bit less to do this season. Like maybe she was filming Godzilla when the season came out. <laughs> Oh, are you kidding? She's in this movie
0: constantly.
1: Well, I mean, I, she. Well, I keep saying movie, but yeah, she's she's in this it show is a, movie. a lot.
2: Eight-hour-long movie.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I feel like she's there for the big showy sequences, but I do feel like a lot of the strong character stuff really comes from the other supporting cast members. Because yeah. finally, they found some angles of stuff to develop, like really uh, characters who really needed development. Because
2: yeah, unexpectedly, which was fantastic.
1: Yeah, because I don't know if you guys agree with me. I kind of disliked Dustin last season with the whole, you know, I'm keeping a pet, a demagogue. What could possibly go wrong?
2: <laughs> yeah, he, well, he got a little bit dumb. He's a sweet, yeah. yeah, he's a sweet he's kid. A little and then kid. it was just like, come on.
1: Yeah, but they fixed that almost immediately. And who would have thought that the best way to fix his, his arc was to pair him up with Steve? And yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, was, they're great. They're so good Joe together. But would, they
2: did that at the end of season two, and it just worked yeah. so well. I'm very happy they continued. Yeah, With Joe that. Kiri
0: and Kate and Matarazzo are—they're they're, like—I don't even know how to describe them. They're like—they're—they're kind of like they have this Midas touch. You put them in <laughs> any scene, and they just turn it to gold. And they are kind of the power players now because you can literally put them in any combination of characters and you would watch it. Yeah. You wanna see a spin off with Steve and Hopper. You wanna see, you know, uh, uh, you know, Dustin and Max on an adventure. You could put those two dudes in any combination of these characters and you're gonna get some interesting storytelling.
1: Oh, yeah, which my favorite, I mean, you know, honestly, with all that being said, I think Steve is absolutely my favorite character in this whole show. I love I, Steve. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, you start off just the typical teenage douchebag. But he's but the it's mom. The, it's so yeah, funny. Yeah, now he's become the team, uh, yeah, the, the, the den mother of this little scout troop of kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's one of the
0: things that really comes across in this particular season is that. This is a transitional moment for a lot of these characters, and Steve is also going through a transition. He's no longer the hotshot, you know, uh, big man on campus. He's just another schmuck working a job. Uh, His glory days of high school are behind him, and he's coming to realize that, you know, having great hair isn't going to get you very far in this life when you're just making $3 an hour and wearing a stupid-looking sailor costume while slinging ice cream. And I appreciate that, (laughs) you know, that imagery.
1: I feel like I'm not getting paid, up, paid enough in my job. $3 an hour just sounds like hell. I'm just oh, like, man. yeah.
0: I mean, hey, it's the 80s, man. I mean, there's a moment in where, in where uh, Mike is trying to buy a gift for somebody, and he's complaining that he only has $3.50 to work with. And I can remember being a kid in the 80s, and $3.50 – Probably was a pretty good amount of money back that then. That was a lot of money <laughs> you were 14 back then. years That's old, yeah. you know. But yeah. now, you know, it's not that much. Uh, so yeah, he basically had what Steve earned in about an hour. Uh, <laughs> you know? So I mean, it, it it's one of those weird things where you know the show is constantly bumping into uh, what you remember and you're. Situation now, I'm still not sure why so many people love this show who weren't born in the 80s, who didn't live through it. I don't get the appeal to them. I
2: think it's because of the characters. It's because of the characters. They love the characters themselves. They don't get all the references that we get, but they look at, well, I mean, I watch it with my kids and they're all teenagers. But uh, even my husband, it's because of the interrelations that all these people have, even though they're dysfunctional. But they work yeah. so well. And because they, you know, these kids are all working through real problems and they're not working through them necessarily with a lot of adult supervision.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: oh, no, not at all. <laughs>
1: like, so, seriously, so many things happen where the adults are just like, ah, Mike is off doing something. I don't know. Yeah.
2: yeah. Mom's like, reading a romance novel. Dad's sleeping. I last saw
1: my kids three <laughs> days ago.
0: <laughs> it's like, my children have, the CIA have literally come to my house to talk to me about my children. And two years later,
1: I'm still not keeping track of where they are.
0: Yep. So typical. Nobody's winning
1: Parrot of the Year award in Hawkins. Well, especially uh, Mike's dad, who just seems to be there just to remind you that he has a dad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Ted Wheeler! Yes, you—you were not a virgin birth. You did actually spring from somebody's loins, and it was was Ted Wheeler, the 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 most lackadaisical, worthless father on the planet. Yeah, I—that's what again. What I love about this show, even a character as useless as Ted Wheeler, is kind of delightful because he (laughs) only comes in for like one or two scenes. But you're like, oh, you're such an '80s dad, totally. Uh, You know. Everybody in this, you know, and, and I realize we are so dancing around the plot of this sucker, and we're just talking about character, but again, I think Lara is right. It, it's the character relationships uh, that really uh, bring people back to
1: this show. Yeah, well, and even me, like, you know, I was born in 1990, so I'm the young guy in this group here at least, and even, I missed that period of the 80s nostalgia, but again, even I say I get most of those references because I'm a nerd, but also because I just think these characters are so fascinating, like, it, and the good thing about what makes them fascinating is that they keep putting them in situations that puts them out of their comfort zone on the whole. Like, yeah. again, when I joke about the communists being a real threat, they are one of the major forces in this story, these <laughs> evil Russians in America. And that plot just goes into crazy places when they bring in Steve, um, freaking Dustin, and then one of my favorite new characters, Robin, into the story. Which, oh,
0: yeah. Oh, she's Maya great. Hawk.
1: She standout of the
0: season, in my opinion.
1: She was well, Fantastic. And that's yeah, cuz they, they did a lot more with the women this season. Like Max and 11 yes. develop a strange uh, you know, a, a strange but cool friendship and then Robin immediately cements herself as this cool like, you know, smart, hip, you know, savvy woman and it goes into really great places and honestly, it's her and Steve in, in particular who really like drive their story along the best, you know.
0: Oh yeah, and again, this is when we talked about or when I was talking about being generous because there are moments uh, again we are dancing about a, around a lot of the plot and we'll deal with that more in the maybe in a spoiler section later oh, yeah. if we get yeah. to it but with these characters and with this particular season the duffer brothers have really thrown in a bunch of set pieces some some scenes some setup things that in another show might have been cut out for time But they actually invest in these characters enough to go, let's spend, you know, seven, eight minutes just on these two people talking. You know, we've had lots of stuff exploding and monsters and people running about. Let's have two characters talk about their experiences in high school. And, you know, uh, that's really, that just shows so much confidence in the characters they've created. That they know they can hold our attention while all these other things are going on.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, just if we want to keep on some other generalized stuff, I think this season clearly got even more of a budget than the previous seasons because it looks and sounds great every step yeah. of the way. Yeah, The visuals
2: like, alone, I was just, I just kept saying, oh my God, it's so beautiful. My kids were like, <laughs> shut up, mom.
1: But the red and white blue, ugh, oh, so good. There's only three directors in this season it was the Duffer Brothers, uh, Sean Levy, who you don't normally associate with good stuff, but, like, this is the only thing that he's made of quality in the last few years. Yeah. And then this uh, great German director named Uda, oh boy, Uda Brezewitz. I know, uh,
0: she, she's done a lot of TV, and she has a good resume. Oh, um, yeah,
1: when I looked up her resume, I'm like, well, of course she directed some great episodes, because she's done some great TV work over the years, so. And,
0: and and they've done that every season, which is another smart thing these guys do, which is, like, last year, or last season, they had Andrew Stanton of Pixar to come in and direct a few episodes. Yeah. Yes, they have this template. Yes, they have this uh, structure in place where the Duffer brothers can kind of run the show, but they're flexible enough to bring in some great directors and go, okay, here's this block of season that we want you to direct back to back. And and it still all cuts together beautifully. I mean, it, there's never any sense that, you know, it's a bunch of people in a committee oh, yeah. trying to make some magic happen. It all flows together. And I think that's because all of these great directors just buy into what the Duffers are trying to do and give their all to the project.
1: Yeah, it, it manages to pay homage to all the references without being slavish or being, like, you know, stuck in just trying to worship those references. Like, no, they're Agreed. just the stylings to make our original story look cool. So there are a few other new people introduced in the cast, but they don't really make as much impression. Like, what, Jake Busey comes in as the head of Laura's, I mean, not Laura, uh, Nancy's newspaper, which I like to dub him and his... Uh, cronies as the cadre of future sexual harassment lawsuits <laughs>
0: yeah yeah he's not even the head dude you're know, like why did you get jake P. C. for this but hey you know, yeah he's definitely one of those folks who shows up for a nice cameo but i was disappointed in how little he actually had to do in the show
1: yeah and then carrie Elways was the other one where i'm like you know i like that carrie Elways is in this but he's barely a factor in the plot like he's just he's the mayor you know just like i'm yeah. the crooked mayor and i'm a politician <laughs> Kind of yeah, <laughs>
0: he's, got, he's an exposition <laughs> machine, basically.
1: Yeah, but, So, but still does a good job of it. Oh, sure, like he did a good job, but it wasn't nearly as impactful as Sean Astin last season where he actually oh, contributed no. to the story.
2: Oh, so. Sean Astin.
0: Uh, the Sean Astin of this season is a guy I'm not even going to tell you about. So if oh, you're yeah. listening to this and you're a yep. non-spoiler person, yep, we can't uh, talk about there's it. a few new characters that you're going to fall in love with and they may or may not be back. Yep. Yeah.
1: No. So that one we'll definitely have to talk about because that's one of my biggest surprises this season of something I yes. you know, totally loved. You know, Me out of too. nowhere. Um, are there any other generalized points before we give a final rating before the spoiler section? Or
0: oh man, I feel like we haven't really talked about this show other than like, well, I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, this is so hard to do in a non-spoiler context. Yep. Uh, but as far as final thoughts go, I will say that if you uh, enjoyed the previous two seasons. This manages to continue on what those seasons built, and it pushes the show in some new directions. There's some uh, old favorites, some new threats, and a much bigger budget to tell a much different kind of story. Uh, it's very clear that Stranger Things has evolved from the little show that it was previously, and frankly, I kind of embrace that. So, if you're willing for uh, for this show to become something new and bigger than before. I think you're going to have a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, so uh, what would you give your final rating, then?
0: I would give this, uh, now I do have some nitpicks, but I'm going to leave those for the spoiler section. I would give this 8 out of 10 cherry-flavored Slurpees. Mm.
1: (laughs) Uh, But I I, I prefer strawberry myself, but, oh, well,
0: you know, that's good, too. But it's really all the same. It's just sugar and
1: ice, Justin. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Laura, what about you?
2: Uh, I pretty much concur with everything Marco just said. That was so well put. Um, I don't really have anything else to add except uh, it was a visual feast. And... um, yeah, I'm giving it a ten. I loved it.
0: A ten? Oh wow! Yep, I never wow. give
2: number scores. I know, right? I'm giving wait, wait. it ten. Antenna on a hill.
0: I, I, I'm, wow. I'm curious. How does that compare to seasons one and two? What were your ratings for those two? I
2: didn't rate them.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Laura doesn't do numbers,
2: so I don't normally do them. But I, I, part of it for me this time around was the entertainment factor. Yeah. In just the. Uh, How much we were invested in it Those of us in my family watching it And how much we were screaming at the TV (laughs) That for me was You know Part of the 10 rating
1: Mm, Wow Yeah, no, that's Wow You know, and I actually I don't know if I'm fully at 10 But I do think this is actually the best season of Stranger Things Like It's most cohesive I I mean, a
0: Wow, I'm getting it from both sides here. You guys really love this. <laughs> well, so to, to me, this was
1: like this was like the third best season of Stranger I Things, but it's still awarded it. an eight. Well, you hold guys on, are let, like ten. Let me let me say, let me just say this. I still think there are some flaws in this season that kind of hinder it, like. For one thing, I think the biggest issue I'm having right now is that there are so many characters in the show uh, that there's a few people who just, like, I, I mean, I hinted that, you know, Mike doesn't feel like he gets a lot to do this season, just other than being kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. But the people who seem to be the biggest victims of too many characters right now are Jonathan and Nancy, where I oh, feel yeah. like they're yeah. just yeah. kind of there. Uh,
0: the teen loving, uh, that's always been the least interesting storyline mm-hmm. since season one, yeah, in but, my opinion.
1: Uh, and this one really felt like it was just very like, oh, we're going to give Nancy something to do to be proactive in the plot. But it was kind of this weirdly like, oh, it's a, this is our Me Too section. We're going to have a big thing where she ticks, sticks right. with these chauvinist men kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I keep waiting for them to do something better with, with Charlie Heaton. I, I think he's one of the weak links of the show and not on account of his acting talent. No. It's oh, just yeah. he's great when he is with his little brother. He is the mm-hmm. best big brother. He's a great older son. But for the most time, he's he's just sort of Nancy Chauffeur. And he's been that for like two seasons now.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what he's been reduced to. And I I, I don't know exactly, like you said, I don't know what it is exactly that's wrong with how they're doing him. But it's like, it's not the actor's fault, I don't think. No, not at all. And I do feel like, um, I, I feel like Will at least it was kind of nice for him to get a backseat where it wasn't just him having traumatic experiences again over and over. It's like, give yeah. this dude a break. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they did that. Um, but yeah, I do think, <clears throat> in terms of structure and pacing, like I said, there was never any point where it felt like this movie, this show really got bogged down in minutia or, you know, static, boring characters. Other than Jonathan and Nancy, a little bit. But even that, I was willing to forgive because so much else about this was really, really good. Um, I think... By the end of this, I would give it hmm, eight point five out of ten. Possibly fake Mormon girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was oh, so okay. Gr- that was so great because my ears perked up when I when I heard they're like, "Oh, uh, Dustin's girlfriend's from Utah, and is a yep. Mormon." I'm like, "Oh, you don't say!" Tell yep. me more.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so we've given our ratings. Should we uh, give people a spoiler warning now?
1: Yes, yeah, spoiler warning. If you don't want to know the more specific details about what's happening here, stop and you now. shouldn't, you should absolutely stop now. And then yeah, go watch come the back later. first. And come back, yes. It's um, it's
0: nothing but spoiler things from here on out.
1: Okay, so let me ask this: in terms of your favorite plot thread, what would you say is the interesting? Billy. Oh fuck that guy! Billy, <laughs> I was so
0: glad for him to die.
1: I oh, love you know I, I will say that it's weird that <laughs> him being possessed by the and sli- the mind Flayer early on actually made his character more interesting
0: right It's like you were so loathsome being possessed by an interdimensional <laughs> inter- <laughs> inter- inter- <laughs> demon was the only way to make you interesting. I feel like <laughs> it was the only, we only way to generate a- any sympathy for this dick.
2: <laughs> I feel like we we're watching every woman in a Wagner opera only it was Billy. Because, you know, that's always the plot device to, you know, save the man, the woman sacrifices herself and all this. And I felt like I was watching an opera with Billy. But, yeah, I totally loved that. I was just shocked at that storyline.
0: I I am convinced because I remember since season two going online and listening to what fans were saying about Billy. Like, you know, Billy's not all that bad. He's redeemable. He's terrible. I'm like, did you not watch the fucking show? They're like, but his daddy, hit, like, that doesn't excuse the <laughs> fact that he is a fucking asshole. Yeah, he's They're a like, terrible person. <laughs> it's like, but he's not a bad guy. I'm like, no, he is fucking
1: evil. Yeah, he's Even his first episode here, he's like, he's walking through the pool and he's like, hey, fatty, stop running yeah. around the pool. You're a fatty. He's like, hey, fat lardass. Fat ass. Hey, Veil, reference
0: to, uh, So you know, stand by me. Let me just throw a lard ass reference out there. Oh he my God. Is such a dick. Yeah. okay yes he has a horrible tragic backstory and this is actually one of the things that kind of bugged me a little bit because this ends with basically the old trope of going remember who you are and it's like no that guy was never that good to begin with you know i a little tear and like a memory of his mom the last time he felt loved i'm like oh please this I mean, guy's a dick I and disagree. should just be destroyed i oh, loved
1: it I thought it was great. I mean, fair
0: enough. But it's just like, I, I just felt like people wanted that character to be redeemed so badly. Well, I think the
1: reason why is because they managed to turn Steve from a loath- loathsome little turd into, into one of the better characters in the show. Yeah. So people wanted something. I don't think he was nearly as like charismatic as Steve is to get that kind of turn, but at least they gave him something to do. Yeah.
0: But that's why I didn't want them to do it because with Steve, it was unexpected. And so to do it with Billy was kind of just trying to play the same card twice.
2: Oh, God, I and, thought it would know. be totally different with Billy. I was so surprised at where the story went with him. I was shocked at it, and I, I liked it because of that, because I did not expect Billy to be, be Billy at all.
0: Oh, I expected him to be possessed by the Mind Flayer. I thought this is the one person he's going to possess because this is the one guy who's already evil. <laughs> he's
2: perfect. I mean, you got
0: that. You already got that from the trailers. He's the uh, That he was going to be the host. And I'm like, yeah, he, he's basically finally become the Henry Bowers he was always designed to be, which is that unredeemable villainous character who, yes, has a traumatic past that you can sympathize with, but in no way excuses the fact that they are a raging, sadistic, psychopathic asshole for the yeah. entirety of the runtime. No, I'm you glad know. that you
1: made the Bowers reference because I I almost expected him to get kicked down a well somewhere. Right. The of this episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I just keep thinking we were, I thought we were going to wake up like 27 years from now, and he's going to be in a mental asylum, going, "I've got to find these kids now that they're <laughs> back in town," because Pennywise from another dimension told me to find them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, and so in terms of other plot lines then, uh, not a whole lot happened with the kids' storylines in terms of, like, you know, the Eleven and Mike relationship, which is just, hey, they're strained because Eleven wants to discover herself, and then they reconcile again. Which, okay, yeah. no, that was that was fine, you know. It, it, it's teen romance.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: a pretty simple. especially the people who didn't get a lot to do in that end, too, was Lucas and Max, where it's like, okay, so Lucas is just a mess up throughout the season. Yeah. And, yep. he and
2: just, Max is annoyingly <laughs> stupid. For someone who's been smart in second, I do admit, I mean, her character bothered me just because in the last season, you know, she had to, she had to overcome suspicion to finally understand what was happening. And then she was on board and then now she's not on board and, and, you know, it just, well, uh, I just mm-hmm. didn't buy that at all.
0: I mean, uh, I like that she stood up for 11. Well, she's yeah, like, I like that know, part,
2: but I didn't you know, like it was like,
0: everybody just tells her what to do. Why don't you ask her what she wants to do? Yeah, no, that was good.
1: No, that part was good. Um, the whole stuff with Nancy and Jonathan, I mean, it got more interesting as they integrated into other people's plots, which, again, kind of speaks to not how they're not very strong on their own. But the part that did creep me out with that, um, the freaking old lady eating the fertilizer. Oh.
0: Oh. I loved her. Oh, she was I great. felt so
1: bad for her. <laughs> right? I want her to be my grandma. I want right? that lady was so adorable.
0: Because <laughs> oh, you, you, she didn't deserve that. She had moxie. She, like, she caught one of those little bastards. And then when you see what happens to her, and because we've seen what happens to Billy and the Heather character, we realize yeah. that being possessed by the Mind Flayer is awful because you're mm-hmm. basically in a nightmare oh, for the man. rest of your life until you just turn into goo and become part of this big, you know, shit monster yeah. whatever it is you know so that poor sweet lady just got trapped in hell until she just disintegrates uh, oh that hurt me so bad because that could have oh, been I anybody's know. grandma you oh, know
2: yeah the little characters like that but were again so this good. is why
0: this show's so good it it does such a great job with those little roles that mm-hmm. could be
1: throwaways yeah. Oh yeah, and I agree, and I think also though my favorite plot line in this whole thing, which was the craziest and kind of goofiest plot line, was everything involving the Russians with Steve yeah. and their gang. Like <laughs> absolutely. Oh man, it was so the Scoops great. Troop. <laughs> which I love the fact. Yeah, one the Scoops Troop. <laughs> Freaking Steve having to wear that dumb Scoops Ahoy outfit the oh my entire God. time.
2: <laughs> the costume that was my favorite costume bar none. It was just so good just the visual alone I mean I was visually blown away by this whole thing I just kept it was so good
1: No but I loved it where they keep trying to torture him because they don't believe that he is a dude working at Scoops Ahoy it's like who do you work for <laughs> I work for Scoops Ahoy oh have <laughs> to tell you Oh yeah oh, it,
0: oh again we, we I danced around this in the non-spoiler section about how generous the Duffer brothers can be This show actually takes a long period of time just to spend with robin and steve while they are tripping balls yeah (laughs) we have just this like weird thing where they're looking at the ceiling and then they like get really high and then they hallucinate and then they talk up shit about like back to the future and then they vomit and like have a heart to heart in a bathroom stall and i'm like what other show spends, like, almost 10 minutes on that? Uh, you know, just to get to know these characters a little better. It's so self-indulgent. So uh, yet it's so fun. I mean, and don't even get me started on the split-screen duet uh, musical portion yeah. of the oh series. My <laughs> God,
1: <about laughs> I was, that. I I was can't like, I can't believe this going, is yes. happening right now. Which is so funny because I looked up, because uh, you're talking about with um, The Girlfriend, right? With Susie finally, finally the- shows up. Spoilers, Susie actually is real. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I looked it up, It's she's actually a professional Broadway actress from the Matilda yeah. musical. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a reason yeah, they sound that, good. It's that girl from that, and uh, she was in Funhouse also. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and she has this really
0: great little one-off appearance, and I have actually heard some people online complain about that scene because they what? go, "You know, Oh yeah, because you know what? Hopper... And uh, Billy are dead because of Susie. What? If she oh, had, no. because she oh, wasted like two minutes going, I'm not going to tell you this important number you need until you sing this song. And so that gave the Mind Flayer and the evil Russians enough time to sneak up on Hopper and do the thing. Like, if she had just given him the number, uh, they could have saved the day. But no,
1: she had to make him sing. I and mean, that took like three minutes. <laughs> it would have taken longer for them to convince her just like, oh yeah, by the way, intergalactic monsters have possess our friends. And, well, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you know, somebody also pointed out, you know, Hopper fucked himself by counting to three instead of just one. He's like, just turn the key. I know, who does that? Just do it now.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Which, by the way,
0: I always appreciate a Superman 3 reference in any movie, uh, (laughs) which I interpreted that as the Superman 3 reference with Richard Pryor trying to turn two keys on at once by himself.
1: But, (laughs) god damn, I'm old.
0: I just think
2: Uh, we were screaming (laughs) at the TV at that point, just like, you know. Also, I gotta
1: say, uh, things that crap me up Slightly intentionally and unintentionally, that freaking Russian Terminator that was chasing after Hopper oh, yeah. and, uh, the entire time. <laughs> he was great.
0: Okay. Oh, he was I mean, great. But It's like Schwarzenegger and Robert Patrick had a baby. It was like the T-100 and the T-1000 combined.
1: It's, that's what I thought. He's like totally Robert Patrick on steroids. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh, yeah. man. So that was all great. And I got to say, uh, you alluded to this as well, Marco. One of my single favorite things that I didn't expect to love with this, Alexi. Yeah, oh,
0: what a sweet little what-off character. He's he's the closest thing to a Bob we get this season. Yeah, you know, yeah, I the, mean, th- he's not perfectly innocent. I mean, he's trying to open into a portal into another world so that the Soviets can conquer the U.S. So Alexei ain't like you know, he ain't fucking Charlie Brown, okay? But, but, but he wants under to understand. You gotta
2: admit. Yeah,
0: he's like, do this or we're going to kill you. Which is one of the surprising things when Hopper's like, no, 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 he's just trying to call it. That whole scene where Hopper's like, no, 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 he's going to come back. He's, it was like, Jim, he's in the car. He's like, don't worry, I've dealt with these guys my whole life. He's not going to do anything. He's just bluffing. And I kept thinking, the way this is playing out, this character is going to disappear and Hopper's going to look like a fucking idiot. That's and somehow, I kept thinking. I kept thinking, yeah, everyone's like, you idiot, you let him go. And then, no, Hopper actual, even though... David Harbour is playing this at such a. As, it's such an extremely broad version of Hopper. Yeah. More over the top than we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I really kept thinking, are you going to really make
1: Hopper look like this much of an idiot? But they kind of salvaged it by having Alexi come back. Yeah, which actually, that happened more than once this season of people doing stuff that you think, like, oh, geez, really, dude, you're a freaking moron. And then they go, Oh, no, no, no. There was a purpose for that. Which yeah. I, I have to give him credit. Like, especially the other time was when Steve went to try that the carnival ride. And it's like, oh, what? Now you're just making him stupid. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. There's a purpose for this. Trust us.
0: Yeah. Give me a quarter. And it's like, why? You, you need a hand up, on little Steve, on the, uh, you know, the carnival ride thing? Yeah, there's a lot of moments where characters really. It, it, okay if we Erica. go back to season one Erica, again, perfect example everything is amped up season one felt very grounded it felt like a, a a like people could actually exist in this universe by season three everyone's kind of like the the summer blockbuster borderline Looney Tunes version of that character they played in season one
1: I mean, at the same time I feel like there's moments where they have them being very broad but then they have to like Force them to be grounded because Erica's a great example of that. Where I hated her at the beginning of the season, where she's just like, "Oh my gosh, I'm the sassy black girl," and then they force her to be involved in the plot, and she's like, "Okay, maybe that's not going to get me very far in the story." So they kind of fix it a little bit, not by much, but.
0: She, she's very broad. Her
1: little secret genius. Yeah.
0: But you see, the thing is, you go back to season one, part of what made this show such a hit was the, it was just a, a pleasurable surprise of seeing child actors feel natural mm-hmm. instead of cloying and over the top, like in a Hollywood child actor type of way. Yeah. Erica's kind of in that zone of like, I am a kid that came out of Central Casting.
1: Which is funny, because everyone seems to love Erica on the forums I'm seeing. I'm just like, yeah. I don't get that, but okay. They clearly wanted more Erica, and they got more Erica, for better or for worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, she stole her scenes in season two, but it's uh, one of those things, like, a little goes a long way. I, I wish they would have modulated her character a little more, but uh, she didn't pull me out of it. It just, she didn't seem to be in the same movie as everyone else sometimes. I think
1: pairing her up with Dustin actually made her a little bit more, mel- like, you know, more bearable throughout the story. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Especially when he called her out on her you know, her, her inner nerd them. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on both things
2: there.
0: Uh, but anyway, uh, this, this show is just so much fun. And yeah, I did knock some points off of it because I do honestly believe the first two seasons were stronger in a lot of ways. Season three does some things better, but also does some things not quite as good, which is what uh, brought the rating down. But I mean, I would still...
1: Gladly rewatch this anytime I get a chance. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, again, I, I still think this is one of the better seasons, only because I think the show on the whole has been consistently where it's fun, but it, you know, it's not deep, deep. It, it's deep enough in character development, but still just very much a popcorn show. You know, it's yeah. one of those sure. shows that you, you get everyone there, you have a fun time, you watch it for six, seven, eight hours straight, and then you go, okay, that was cool. But I think in terms of that, that's why I kind of like this season the most of the, all the seasons. But. Uh, you know, it's it still. I still would say this is definitely one of the better shows on Netflix right now. Like, if you really want to find something to just binge and binge, like with a family, like as long as oh, you yeah. guys have, as long as you guys can handle gross stuff, because I will say, the design work they did for the new monster in this in the show was terrifying at points oh yeah, yeah they really.
2: amped up the horror big time
0: i i was so thrilled when they started talking about oh yeah this is very cronenberg influence this season i'm like yes i i actually once they started showing all those trailers and like promo spots about scoops ahoy I, and they said oh it's in 1985 i'm like there has to be some reference to the stuff please tell me larry cohen's the stuff shows up in here And it didn't really, but you do see when the kids walk out of the movie theater, you see on the marquee that they are showing the stuff, which, in case (laughs) you don't know, it's a 1985 uh, sci-fi movie about a very popular uh, dessert that's kind of ice cream-like but is actually a parasite that destroys people and turns them into zombies. But I, I really thought that's where we were going this season where it's like the Mind Flayer just like infected all the ice cream and everybody turned into a zombie <laughs> who ate it. But it shows you what I know. But it shows also that the Duffers had thought about it. Because oh, yeah, they included no- the stuff. They didn't go that direction but they knew that was out in the culture at that time. And the stuff was also not a terribly great movie but it was a fun little... Uh, It was a fun little critique of capitalist culture. And I think uh, this season is kind of dipping its toes in those same kind of thematic waters a little bit with the creation of the Starcourt Mall.
1: Yeah, which, also funny, you say it was going to be the stuff or some kind of ice cream or whatever. I thought it was going to be the new Cokes that they kept sending out. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) Oh, they would,
0: Coca-Cola would never allow that. You see, (laughs) They're like, no, no, we knew it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. Come on, guys. Yeah, It's not just bring you know. Back. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert! If you've never tried New Coke and do take it. it from someone who was there at the time, it's basically just Pepsi. Okay, that's yep. it. That's all New Coke is. It's just a little more sweet, a little more like Pepsi, and not as carbonated.
1: Yeah, no, and I will say the only you know again since we're talking about spoilers, the only thing I was a little debatable about it's not because of the decision they made, but how it was executed. Um, I appreciate that they decided to make Robin come out at the end Mm -hmm. of the season. Mm -hmm. I feel that the issue wasn't with the revelation to have her come out, but how the actors had sold their chemistry up to that point. Because they honestly had great freaking romantic chemistry throughout this, the whole will-they-won't-they thing. They did. Yeah, and when they finally decided to have her come out, I'm like, okay, I guess I can handle sassy gay friend over girlfriend. (laughs) I I think, you
0: see, and here's the thing, though, because I have seen some people online... Pissed about this. Yeah, I'm pissed. It's like, you know what, people, there are better things in life to be upset about. I have a list. If you're curious, send me, you know, DM me. I will send you a list of all the things you should be pissed off about. This ain't one of them. Uh, (laughs) Because I think a lot of people were expecting this was the season that Will Byers was going to come out (laughs) as gay. And for like three seasons in a row, they've kind of hinted at it. It kind of just simmered it at a subtextual level and yet instead that got put over on Robin's character and I love the fact that they have that little button at the end of the season where it's clear that these are just two good friends now and Steve handles it so well and it's like, yeah, everyone's like oh, but Steve deserved a love interest I'm like, I'm sorry, I deserve a love interest too but I'm not going to be upset if women don't just start flocking to me okay, so Robin doesn't fucking have to be with Steve no you know but but, but I hear like, what you're saying. They had a great romantic chemistry, and I thought that was a really smart. If anywhere, if there was any twist in this season that I did not expect, that was probably it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. No, and then the one I did kind of expect though, and I guess we got, we should end the review on this, is Hopper dead? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> I ostensibly.
2: You might think that, but then we had so many Back to the Future references, I'm thinking that's part of the next season. What, is Christopher so.
1: Lloyd? Chris, Christopher Lloyd will guest star in the next season. Uh, <laughs> Marty, we need to find Hopper!
0: Here's my DeLorean, Great Scott. let's go! <laughs> it's, it's, it's your kids, Eleven! No, no, no. <laughs> It's your kids, Hopper! We gotta go back! Uh, <laughs> di- again, this is really for people who saw that post credit stinger, and it is so vague. Uh, yeah, we don't know. A lot of questions. You know, not the American. Well, who is that American? Of course, it could be Hopper. It could be Dr. Brenner, who is supposedly still somewhere out in the world. Yeah. And it could be nobody. It could be somebody unimportant. Uh, we don't know. My feelings are that they are not going to kill off David Harbour this early. Yeah, Uh, that that would be weird
1: because he's one of those beloved characters in the show. So to get rid of him even before the last season, I'm just like, uh, hmm...
0: Yeah, and and the thing is each season has felt very self-contained and like I was saying earlier, it does Stranger Things hasn't relied on hang uh on uh, uh cliffhangers. It hasn't relied on to be continued type endings. It's always felt like we've left enough mystery that if we wanted to do an- another series, we could, but it's also there's enough plot resolution to make it feel emotionally satisfying and feel like okay, this is this is a good place to end. And that was true three seasons in a row until about 10 seconds after the credits started rolling. And then we kick into this new thing where it's like, oh, wait, we're we're back in Russia? What's going on here? Uh, and honestly, I have some very mixed feelings about that. I don't know about you guys, but I may not know how I feel about this until season four.
1: Yeah, that's well, true. Well, I feel like... I feel like the way that they're doing it is the whole sequel thing. We have to make things bigger and louder and now they've officially made it where the Cold War was being fought over the Upside Down. So, yeah. I guess that's a route we can go. I mean, it's still the issue where they have to sell the fact that a bunch of teenagers and some local parents can fight off the Demogorgons and the giant Mind Flayer monsters, but... I mean, I'm kind of intrigued by this idea that it's like an ideological war of, he- you know, harnessing the power of hell between America and the Russians. Right. I,
0: I, I, you know, I have a lot of questions in regards to the timing, too. Like, when did they find out about this? How did they learn how to do this? We know they've had about a year between the, uh, the cold open of the first episode and then like a year later, the Starcourt Mall is in play. Look. I, I've I've seen malls open. I remember when malls opened in the nineteen eighties, and I can tell you, it takes more than a year to build that. Not alone, not even minding the the, the elaborate infrastructure uh, that's hidden underneath the Star Court Mall. It's like there's no way the Russians did that shit in a year. I mean, the permits alone would have waited. You know, made them wait a couple years. But if
1: you have a corrupt mayor like Carrie Elways, maybe Which, might go faster. Yes, <laughs> you know. But
0: still, like, where did you get? Why are there like a hundred Russians in? Full military uniform underneath Hawkins, and then like five minutes after the U.S. Uh, military shows up, those guys are gone. I was expecting a huge showdown between the U.S. and the Russians, and they just disappear. That did weird I'm me very out. Where about that? Mm-hmm. It,
1: yeah, no, I was weird. That weirded me out. Where I was just like, so wait, are they? You know, because they say like you know, the final episode is the Battle of Star Court. And it's more like the skirmish of Starcourt because there's not yeah. really like a battle that happens.
0: Like yeah, it, I thought the battle was with the Russians. The battle's really with the Mind Flayers the Mind proxy. Flayer. Yeah, because uh, once Steve goes, oh, you know, my buddy Dustin, he's out there and he's probably already called Hopper and he's going to alert, you know, the, the military, military right? and and all the, uh, yeah, those, those, that Russian generals like laughing at him. And then, of course, the sirens kick in and I he's like, the assumption oh, shit, was that
2: they wouldn't come. Yeah,
0: But the thing is, once that happens, that guy who's sort of the big bad of the Russians, he disappears. And I'm like, wait a minute, what happened to that dude? Did all of these guys bug out at a moment's notice? Because the U.S. don't seem to show up. Uh, when they
1: show up, they don't seem to have anyone
0: to fight or arrest. Uh, to be
2: continued, I you
0: guess. Know, to be continued, yeah. I yeah. that,
1: that did feel like it was a little bit of a blue balls for like, oh, it's going to be bigger next season. Which I'm like, well, yeah. you hinted so much happening this season that fine, I guess I'll have to yeah. wait. Though you I wanted was,
0: red, yeah, it's like, sorry kids, we know you wanted red Dawn in a shopping mall, you're not gonna get that,
1: but here's Paul Reiser walking out of a helicopter. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I was happy to see him again. So. Uh, as was I. Me too, I
2: admit <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah,
1: though I will say the last thing to end off on as well, even though, like, you know what, Billy's death, okay, whatever, and some of the other deaths happened, the best death this season was that dude who got kicked into the uh, the portal gun or whatever, you know, the the Russian Terminator.
0: Oh, yeah, I'll see <laughs> yeah, you in hell. good. <laughs> was like, I knew that was going to happen as soon as I was like, oh, yeah, there's a big blade like thing. Yeah,
1: that guy's getting thrown into that. Yeah, that was like, that was a total Raiders of Lost Ark death. Kind oh, of thing. absolutely. We're just
2: waiting for, for how long? Like, five minutes waiting for that to happen? It was good. So satisfying.
0: <laughs> it, it, it gave Hopper a very good antagonist to go up against. And I'm like, I, come on, real life the real Hopper would die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a middle-waged overweight dude is yeah. not going to take down the Ivan Drago of the uh, Russian Secret <laughs> Services. You know, he's like, i am like to dominate and I could kill you with my pinky. And oh, meanwhile, a guy who eats donuts
1: for a living kicks his ass like three times in a row. I'm sorry. Yeah, happen. that is one thing where Hopper not only can kick other people's butts, but like somehow he gets a beatdown from that guy early on in the season that probably should have killed him. And oh, he's oh just that like, happens
0: throughout the season. I mean, yeah. Jonathan shouldn't have a spine anymore. There's a fight scene where he, like, gets thrown against the wall multiple times. Oh, yeah. Gets, like, a metal stool smacked through his back multiple times. And then he gets up. Like, everybody in this show, in this season, and this you would have never had this in season one or season two. I mean, Mike, Eleven, Jonathan, Nancy, everybody gets, you know, just whacked upside the head and slammed across walls and... Kicked and beat into the, you know, to the point where you're like, these people should be paralyzed. (laughs) But you know, again, this is like, it's kind of like they've thrown all reality out the window. This is like if, if okay, if season one was equivalent to say First Blood, which is about like, you know, a, a wandering Vietnam vet with PTSD hanging out in the woods trying to protect himself from a posse of small town bigoted sheriffs, but by Stranger Things 3 is basically Rambo 3, where Rambo is now a one-man <laughs> army who's taking, off Af- taking on the Soviets in Afghanistan all by himself and shooting down helicopters with a bow and arrow. That's the extremes that this show has gone. And I can't tell if that's a weakness or if they are simply paying homage to the very sequels they are inspired by.
1: Probably. Uh, and, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's like, what, where Steve's the only one who has any actual realistic damage done to him? Yeah, there's a bit of an issue there with everybody else being so freaking durable. But, yeah. um, any other points before we end up? Um, okay,
2: I love Joyce. I love her character. I love the fact that she didn't get to, um, that she wasn't just ineffectual and freaking out because she couldn't, you know, just in panic mode all the time like she was in the first, episode, first uh, series. Mm-hmm. And I loved that, you know, she... Managed to pull through remarkably when Hopper would just fail. And it was like Joyce picking up the pieces. I loved it, that. I love Steve. I didn't have a problem with coming out, although, you know, they did really build it up like this is going to be between them. And it, you know, it was like, oh, I get it. But I loved how they handled her being gay. I loved Steve's reaction. I thought it was a lovely way to show a a friendship. Um, And I also liked that they left Will's sexuality up to Everyone's interpretation. Yeah. No, and again, I and like I said, they didn't when, make a definition one
1: way or the other. You when know? I said it had a problem with the coming out, I didn't have a problem with the actual coming out itself. It was just the pacing no. in, the, in the season, how it was worked out, I think.
2: Right. And I, I can see your point. I didn't feel like that for me, but I understand your
1: point. No, absolutely. Okay. But then, uh, Marco, any last points?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm going to echo Lara because I don't think we've talked enough about how good uh, Winona Ryder is in this. Oh, yeah. She
1: really gets to be...
0: She really gets to use her comedic chops in this. And, uh, (laughs) you know, if you think about the first season, especially where she was just a woman on the edge, her child was gone, everybody thought she had gone insane and no one believed her. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. here she's kind of more in control. She obviously has some baggage. She has a past... But she's definitely more in control, and uh, I actually felt that, again, the Duffer Brothers taking a page out of uh, 80 sequels uh, kind of did a flip on—they kind of flipped the Joyce model on its head, where now she is the crazy lady talking about magnets— <laughs> uh, it's it, it's kind of like because right. you know, it made me think of that again because there's so much talk about Phoebe Cates in this season it's like Phoebe Cates in Gremlins 2 where if Gremlins one's Phoebe Cates has this horrible tragic backstory in this really, like, horrific monologue, so for the sequel, they gave her the same beat, only they turned that monologue into something purposefully trivial and silly, because everyone was expecting, like, a horrible backstory. Same thing here, it's like, Joyce has, like, this crazy conspiracy theory, but this time around, it's kind of played for laughs, Uh, and now it's with the magnets, instead of the lights and her son talking through. It's like, why are these, ma- in fact, I'm going to give this an extra half point just for Winona Ryder. This, I'm now going to say, my, I'm going to change my review to eight and a half out of ten times. I wish Winona Ryder would have just
1: looked at the screen and said, Magnets,
0: how do they work?
1: <laughs> well, that's kind of what she did when she went to go mi- visit uh, Mr. Clark in that yeah. episode. Just He went to him and said, how do these work? <laughs> yeah.
0: it's like, I know the, I know Insane Clown Posse isn't going to exist for many, many years, but bear with me. How do <laughs> magnets work? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it was just it was just great. I, I love seeing her have more to do and seeing her have that kind of uh, give and take with David Harbour instead of just constantly being in her living room set just like crying actually having her on the road and be a foil to Hopper was a lot of fun
1: yeah no I actually enjoyed that a lot more because I kind of was getting tired of her being the crying you know stressed out woman and her getting her moments especially talking to Murray and talking to the guy on that phone with the Philadelphia Public Library quote quote Yeah, those parts just made me go like yeah you tell (laughs) him
2: You yeah, just that, wish you were her in those
0: moments.
1: Yes.
0: That, that was your mom's I need to speak to your manager voice. And that's what she brought to it.
1: Oh, she's great. Yeah, no, I, great. I, I thought Winnow Ryder was really good. And strangely, she's never been nominated for an Emmy for this show. So, I mean, no. maybe next year's Emmys. Because this, this season set is not eligible maybe. this year. So, but we'll see. Well, she's already won every award in my book.
2: That's right. <laughs> well, I love the craft's that they employed in this, I I have real respect for how they visually put everything together, set design. I mean, it was beautiful and lush to look at and every trans, you know, the scenes, every transition was so carefully crafted. I loved that so much. My kids, again, we're telling you to shut the fuck up, Mom. We get it. We're watching this same program. I'm like, but it's so genius.
0: You totally. don't understand. This is what food courts
1: really look like. <laughs> look yeah. at
2: what they're thinking about right there. Can
0: you so believe good. that they
1: built that mall from scratch just for this show? Like that, well, that, man, They did it.
2: That's a huge They, sound they
1: moved
0: into a mall that's still functioning, okay. but is mostly... Out of commission. Well, okay, so they but, they, the but they rebuilt brand. all of those, all the signage. I mean, they dressed it to. I mean, they really did a great job of dressing a real location to look like what it would have been in a mall that was originally built in 1983, as as I understand. They they found a mall in Atlanta. Yeah, and they're like, we're we're just going to reuse this mall's architecture and just bring in the old signage and bring in old props and merchandise to make it look like a working mall, and it was just. Like I said, it's really flabbergasting for someone who grew up in that era. It's really easy to uh, to just take it for granted, but when you see the level of detail they were able to put into this uh, season, it's it's really astonishing.
1: Oh yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely, great. Yeah, so I think that's all about. uh, That's about all I got to say on this. So, uh, how do I end off this? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs>
0: We're not going to do a duet. I can promise you that. Because uh, there's three so of us. Stop it! Yay. No! No! No singing! No singing here! <laughs> <laughs> oh man!